Welcome to the weekly service message from the Crossbridge Church. Look for us on the web at www.crossbridgeny.org. Join us now as Pastor Nate Young delivers this week's message. Open your Bibles up to to Luke uh, chapter 2. Before we we get to uh, our sermon today. Um, I know it was already mentioned in the announcements, but uh, we have a special gift for you today. Uh, You can pick it up as you leave. There's a table. You probably saw it as you come in. We would love for you to have a copy of this book, uh, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. Uh, Hopefully, this is an incredible comfort to you uh, in the new year and and as you go forward through this Christmas season, but it's our free gift to you. There's also a a lovely bookmark uh, inside that my lovely wife made uh, for all of you. So, Uh, Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoy this gift. If you are a guest here with us today, we have a special gift for you as well. Uh, So please don't uh, leave before we're able to deliver that gift to you. Uh, If you haven't already, open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 8 through 15. Uh, Let me just suggest to you that all of us have defining moments in our lives. And maybe it's something that, that happens to you, or it's a decision that you make, but, but we all have defining moments. For me, two of the most defining moments of my life were meeting and marrying my wife. It's one of the, the greatest joys of my life and a very defining moment for me. Second to that was the birth of each of our children. Those moments were so filled with joy and at the same time filled with the weight of responsibility. But each of these moments pushed me to make a decision, a decision to respond to what was happening, to answer the question, what will I do with what is happening right before my eyes? Will I respond as God has called me to? Will I be the husband and father that God says I am to be in His Word, or will I deny the God-given task before me? Not everyone can identify with being married or having children, but we've all been faced with a moment where we have to decide how we're going to respond. And our response can change, in some sense, the course of our life. And and many times we don't realize how much our responses will have an impact on our future. With this in our minds, I want to invite you to stand with me for a reading from the Word of God. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 and going through verse 15. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says this, And in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. This is a reading from the Word of God. You may be seated. In the first two verses, there there are three things that I I believe are being communicated here just in these first two verses, verses 8 and 9 of Luke chapter 2. I think we see the image the glory, and the fear of the Lord. Here's here's what I mean by that. Shepherds were of low reputation and and to some degree looked down on with suspicion. But right away, God's going to use the shepherds to, to teach us something about himself. Namely, first, that he is not a respecter of persons. The message that is about to be given is not limited by social, economic status, but should be extended to all people everywhere and is extended to some of the lowest of the culture of the day. James chapter 2, verse 5 echoes this. It says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But here's the second thing, and I think potentially the most important thing that we see about these particular shepherds. It says that these shepherds are in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. That they're literally spending their life in the open air. Now, if you remember, God doesn't do anything by accident. Amen? Do you believe that? That God has a purpose in everything that he does. And so when he gives us specific details in his word, they are there for a reason. So the the when, where, and who of this story is on purpose. It's not included accidentally for us. And let me suggest to you that the Bible is full of images that are meant to point us straight to the main focus of the Bible. There are details in the story meant to point us to greater truths. And these details of this story are meant to point us to the great shepherd who comes to live among his sheep. The shepherds exemplify Christ by coming to live with the sheep to protect and care for them. And we're about to enter in, and already what is happening is the story about a God, the God, the only God, Jesus Christ, who comes down from heaven on high and dwells amongst his sheep to care for them and protect them eternally. But as these shepherds are here in this field, in some small way imaging the Savior that they are about to hear about, The text tells us that an angel of the Lord appeared suddenly and unexpectedly. And in that moment, the angel appears. It says the glory of the Lord shines around him. Now, this isn't an uncommon description of angels. In the New Testament, we see places like Luke chapter 2, verse 29, where the appearance of one is altered and his clothing became dazzling white. Or in Matthew 28, 2 and 3, when the angel comes to roll back the stone from in front of the grave of Christ, it says that he appears like lightning and his clothing is white as snow. 
But in a sense, when we hear about this glory radiating from the angels, potentially your, your mind would even be uh, drawn to another place in Scripture where someone had experienced the Lord and His face glows. Exodus chapter 34, verse 29 discloses this about Moses. It says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, he came down from the mountain. And Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Maybe the easiest way to conceptualize this is this way. When you get sunburn, your, your skin gets red, and, and everyone knows where you have been. And the idea of being in some warmer temperatures where you could get sunburn is probably pretty appealing to most of us right now. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Thanks, Don. I appreciate your excitement. The, the temperature change over the last couple of days has uh, potentially encouraged some of us to consider why we would live in a place where the temperature drops by 35 degrees overnight. Amen? But when we've been in the sun and our, our skin color is, is changed, people know immediately where you have been. But in this case, it's not just meant to tell the shepherds where the angel has been, but it's meant to show them who, the, who he has been with. You see, it's not the own angel's glory that makes them shine, but it's the glory of the Lord that makes them shine. It's meant to show that he had been with God. Think about this for a moment. God's glory is so great that he can send some of his glory with his angels to radiate from them, and it doesn't diminish his glory in any way. But the text tells us that the shepherds, upon seeing this angel who radiates with the glory of God, respond as most people do who come in contact with angels. It, it says that they are filled with great fear. And, and this is understandable, isn't it? Imagine you're outside in the dark, maybe just the glow of the moon, as you stand watch over a flock of sheep, a flock of sheep that you've been given charge over, a flock of sheep that could come under attack by any manner of wild beast. And suddenly, a bright, glowing angel appears to you. It's almost as if that moment that many of us experience when you're in the dark and you go into a, a room in which the lights are very bright, there's like a moment in which you can't see. And then after, your eyes begin to re regain focus. What the shepherds see is a light that isn't coming from something, but it's coming from someone. And what you see is what I would call a whole lot of nope. Have you ever been scared so much that you just ran away from a situation? Like, like someone scares you or you see something scary in the room and you say, nope, and you just run right out of there. But I'm glad that the shepherds, even though they're very afraid, don't turn and run away. Because as the shepherds stay, and I'm sure they're glad that they stayed, their fear quickly turns into joy as they hear what the angels have to say. You see, what the angels have to say in verses 10 through 12 is the good news of the birth of their Savior. 
The angels say to the shepherds, fear not. And this is a prohibition of action in progress. They try to, to calm them down because they're going to give them good news. For most of us, our, our lives contain really two types of potential good news. Temporal good news, but let me suggest to you that there's a, a second type of good news. There's a type of good news that is eternal. And tied with that good news is this message of great joy. And let me suggest to you that just like good news, great joy can also be temporal, or joy can also be temporal or eternal. Joy is a response often to to something that's good. So they receive good news of great joy, good news that will bring great joy. And again, like I said, there is a joy that is temporal and a joy that is eternal. Uh, even this morning, I, I experienced a type of temporal joy. Uh, on Christmas morning, my wife makes this dish called monkey bread. Uh, it's kind of like a cinnamon roll, like a fresh, hot cinnamon roll. And so this morning, I woke up to this smell of warm, sugary cinnamon. And of course, you know, we, we were at my house, so you know what goes along with that, right? We, we had bacon. So I woke up this morning to a house filled with the smell of warm cinnamon bread and bacon. And of course, you know, we had a little leg so we could at least pretend like we were being healthy or whatever that is. But, and as I began to eat that particular uh, breakfast. Have you ever eaten something so good you do a little dance while you're eating it? Have you ever done that? I'm eating this monkey bread and the bacon, and I'm like doing a little dance while I'm eating it. But you know what happened? It wasn't very long before the six people in our house devoured all of that delicious breakfast. And if I'm not careful, my, my joy could be gone as that food disappears. If my life was, was bent around having temporal satisfaction, my, my joy is going to be temporary as soon as the thing that I have joy in is gone. But the message that's delivered here today is, is good news of great joy, good news that is eternal, good news that has no end. And what is that news? The news is this, unto you is born this day. Now, this is one of these things that, that's very difficult, I think, for us to often get our minds around because it seems so simple. The birth of a baby seems so simple, but it's so profound that unto you is born this day, meaning literally Christ was given unto us. You see, Jesus, th- this baby, is God. And Jesus was born as a baby. God the Father gave Jesus to humanity in sending him to us as us. To us as us. And in that moment, the greatest gift that could ever be given was given unto humanity in the form of a baby, the baby Christ. 
the angels in this moment, or the angel in this moment, gives him three names, three titles, Savior, Christ, and Lord. Unto is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This idea of Savior means that that this one that is born will obtain the benefits of salvation for us. Maybe the most popular verse in all the Scriptures explains this to us, John 3, 16. But tied to it is, is verse 17. John 3, 16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. But He's not just called the Savior. He's called the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one who was chosen and anointed by, anointed by God the Father to come and fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament. The Savior who is Christ the Lord. Lord is to say that this baby who is your Savior, the Messiah, is the Lord Himself. The Scriptures are filled with this teaching that that Jesus was not just a man, was not just a regular baby that was born, but is in fact God. In John 20, 28, Thomas, the doubting one, exclaims upon seeing the, the Lord, my Lord and my God, referring to Jesus Christ. Or Acts chapter 10, verse 36 It says, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. Or maybe my my favorite passage in this this description of Jesus Christ is in Revelation verse 19, 16. And the return of Christ, it says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, what's happening is the whole Old Testament has longed for this moment. From the very beginning, from when humanity was cursed for its sin in Genesis 3, all the way through to Malachi, the whole Old Testament longs for this moment. And for the last 400 years, from Malachi to this time, the Lord has been silent in His Word. And now... Now is the moment when our Savior, Christ the Lord, has come. And they must be wondering, the shepherds must be wondering, can this be? As if a glowing angel isn't enough to make them believe, the angel tells them God has given them a sign. All throughout the Bible, when God does something miraculous, He will often give a sign to substantiate His message, to authenticate His message. And the sign is this baby that they find in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. But let me suggest to you that this baby serves as much as a sign to us today as it did at this time. And maybe in your attempt to to know God, to come to God, you, you have asked the question, you have asked of God, 
that he would give you a sign. And let me say today, friend, if you are seeking after God, if you are seeking to find God and you have asked for a sign, here it is, that God himself would come as a baby to be born in a manger, to live a perfect life, to die for your sins. This is the sign of salvation. But for a believer, let's be reminded, this sign of this baby in the manger is a sign of God's love to send his only son to die for us. The, the message of the manger is one of salvation, but it is also one of love and peace for those who believe. So brothers and sisters, be comforted this Christmas season to know that the love of God has come in Jesus Christ. But friend, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, know that the sign of the manger, the sign of the baby born in Bethlehem is a sign that God is real and that he sent his son to save you. But what we're going to find in the next two verses, in verses 13 and 14, is that God delights in his glory and the peace that he brings. Now, as if one angel is not enough, it tells us that suddenly a multitude of the heavenly host appears. Imagine the scene in your mind that there's one singular angel in which the glory of the Lord radiates from, and then accompanying that particular angel is a vast army from heaven. And in that moment, the shepherds may have been tempted to be even more terrified because of the army that has appeared. But in light of the coming Messiah, this army doesn't bring war. It's an army that announces peace. And this army is called the heavenly host to show us that their dwelling place was with God and that they have come from God to continue the activity that they've performed in heaven. Psalm 103 verse 20 tells us that the angels exist to do the will of God. It says, bless the Lord, O you angel, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Or Psalm 148 verse 2 tells us that the angels exist to praise God, that they praise him, all his angels, praise him, all his hosts. But here's the question that has plagued me so much about this particular test, this particular text. These angels, they're perfect beings. They've never sinned. They only exist to do the will of the Father. And they constantly just bring God glory continually. Why then do sinless angels care so much about a Savior who didn't come to save them? If they've not sinned, they, they don't need a Redeemer. And here's the only logical conclusion I've been able to come with. These angels understood the curse of sin, and they rejoice in the accomplishment of God's plan. The first praise to God at the coming of Jesus was sung by sinless angels who don't need saving from sin but I've been in the presence of God and rejoice when he is glorified. These angels proclaim glory to God in the highest. This is meant to show us the extent to which God's glory reaches 
and the position of God in the universe. And when you think about God's glory, I want you to hang on one word, and here's the word, limitless. Now, this is a word that's hard for our brains oftentimes to comprehend because we've only ever encountered things that have a limit. And the only thing that we potentially could ever encounter that is limitless is God Himself. Everything else has limits. Our resources have limits. Our minds have limits. Even our lives have limits. But not God. Not God. And because He is limitless, everything about Him is limitless, including His glory. This heavenly host proclaims a message of God's glory and the peace that He brings. And they say some words that we might be tempted to gloss over. They say that this peace is for those with whom God is pleased. Get this phrase. This is meant to show the freedom of the purpose of God and the delight with which it is accomplished. This is meant to show the freedom of the purpose of God and the delight with which it is accomplished. This is conveyed again in several passages like Matthew 11, 25, and 26. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Or Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. It says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. Now, what does this mean? This means that in sending His Son, God in His free, and remember, since God is limitless, everything about Him is limitless, so God in His free and limitless will set out to do two things in sending Jesus Christ. Reveal His glory and bring peace to us. And no one made God do this. No one made God send His Son, and no one made the Son come to earth to be born as a baby. And in fact, no one could make God do this. But what this text tells us is that in doing this, in sending His Son to glorify Himself and to bring us peace, God is delighted in it. God is delighted in His glory being revealed and His peace being extended to us. Now, what does this mean for us personally? This means that God delights in our salvation, in that His glory is made known to us, and we have peace in Him. Let me say this to you again. This means that God delights in our salvation, in that His glory is made known to us, and we have peace in Him. How then should we respond to these things? 
Remember, I talked about those defining moments, those moments in which we come face to face with certain truths, certain situations. How should we then respond to them? For us as believers, we should let the glory of Christ motivate our obedience. Look at verse 15. It says, when the angel of Luke 2, verse 15, it says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Look at the response of the shepherds on hearing this good news of great joy. Immediately they say, let's go. There's a, there's a force of urgency here. Let's go and see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go see this thing that has been revealed to us by God himself. Now, this is a, a very important teaching in Scripture that God himself reveals himself to us. Because if he did not, it would be impossible for us to actually know what God is like. But God, in his word, gives us what is referred to as revelation, the revealing of himself to us, or God making himself known to us along with his attributes and workings. Brother, sister, follower of Jesus Christ, let the message of Christmas propel you into the new year as your affections for Christ are stirred into obedience. Let the love of Christ compel you to know and obey the Word of God. But if you are here today or you're watching from online, and you do not know this Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me just say that God is giving you a, a moment to hear and, a res and respond, a moment that could be very defining for your life. And so let me encourage you to let the message of Christmas sink into your heart and mind to know that God loves you. And even though we have sinned, we've broken God's law, He still loves us. And He loves us so much that He sent His Son down to earth to be born as a baby, live a perfect life, and then die for your sins. This Christmas, God is offering you the most incredible gift He could ever give to you in His Son, Jesus Christ born in a manger, born to live a perfect life, born to die for our sins. Friend, would you receive this gift today? If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive this Christmas, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? In a moment, I'm, I'm going to pray. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior already, I want to encourage you during that time to pray and ask the Lord to help you know and obey His Word that 2023, which is right around the corner, would be a year in which you would strive to love and obey Christ like never before. But friend, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, as I'm praying, you can pray as well. And if you desire to receive the gift of salvation, the Word tells us that, that we need to confess that we're sinners. 
We need to confess that we have broken God's law, and we need to ask for God to forgive us. And in forgiving us, He promises that He will come into our hearts and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and that He will make us into something new, that He will move us from being sinners into being righteous. And in that moment, you would receive the greatest gift that's ever been given, salvation through Jesus Christ. So would you join me in prayer at this time? Lord, we are thankful that you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. You sent him into a sin-cursed world that the perfect son of God would come and live in human flesh, that he would be born of a virgin, live a perfect life to pay the perfect price with his perfect death on the cross. Lord, we're, we're asking today as your children, those of us that know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that we would be emboldened today, the rest of this week, and, and into next year with this message of Jesus Christ and his salvation. That seeing the great things that you have done for us, that we would be renewed and, and motivated to love you and know you even in greater measure. But Lord, I ask today that if there is someone here who does not know you, that you would draw them to yourself, that they would become aware of their need for a Savior, and that today would be the day that they would receive salvation. Lord, lay it upon their hearts to come to you in, in repentance and faith and receive the most incredible gift this Christmas. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please feel free to share this message, but remember, don't charge for it or change it. The Lord's message should be free and for everyone.